Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Quite a bit to talk about with the NBA trade deadline, so I'm going to get right down to it. A very active NBA trade deadline day. As we saw massive moves come from the Cleveland Cavaliers, who shipped out basically the entire starting roster outside of LeBron. Uh, So the Cleveland ships out six players, uh, including Dwayne Wade, and they get back a haul of players uh, in terms of uh, guys who can help them. Now, the initial headlines, because I, I was still at work when the, these came in, the initial headlines seemed to be that the Cavs were just uh, uh, blowing up the team and uh, rebuilding. You know, from the outset, that's what it kind of looked like because I, I saw that the Cavs gave up a first round pick. But I didn't realize that it was the Cavs' own first-round pick, uh, not the uh, the Brooklyn Nets' first-round pick, that they said under no circumstances would they actually trade to LeBron in terms of uh, the stories that came out the other day where LeBron and Dan Gilbert were at each other's throats and LeBron was screaming at Kobe Altman, the, G- uh, the GM for the Cavs. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot going on because... Uh, Apparently, James was unhappy that the Cavs seemed to be unwilling to deal the Brooklyn Nets pick in order to improve the team. Based on what actually went down with these moves, Kobe Altman, you know what? For a rookie GM, he that's that's a courage under fire there because he was under the gun and made some moves. So uh, just to uh, uh, recap, uh, the main move that uh, uh, was made uh, you've got Isaiah Thomas uh, being moved out uh, from Cleveland to L.A. along with the Cavs' first-round pick, which is going to be significantly lower down uh, in the pecking order uh, than uh, the actual Brooklyn uh, pick. And in return, you've got uh, 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 Jordan Clarkson and also uh, Larry Nance Jr. coming back from the Lakers. Now, here's why this move actually works. A, 
Isaiah Thomas was not coming back to Cleveland. Isaiah Thomas seemed to have ticked off everyone in the Cavs uh, locker room, uh, it seems, uh, with uh, just his recovery process and just how slow he was coming back. He was just not gelling with the team. Uh, He's also a a defensive liability issue. Uh, Also, on the offensive side, uh, and his agent even threw shots at LeBron, uh, that Isaiah was not comfortable not having the ball in his hands with LeBron still running the offense. All things he could have learned with a phone call to Kyrie Irving. Uh, But, again... Thomas was struggling big time in Cleveland. Uh, This move helps uh, from a fantasy perspective because Isaiah Thomas is going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to be on a terrible Lakers team. Uh, You know, if that can't jumpstart him to putting up uh, better numbers, because, I mean, he's been averaging barely over double digits, uh, double digits in points. I mean, he was averaging about 10 points a game for the past week and a half. So this has got to give him a bit of a boost. Uh, uh, going forward. So uh, I look at that and say, you know, from fantasy perspective, yeah, that helps. From an actual NBA perspective, this is a mess for the Lakers. I don't understand what the Lakers were trying to do other than salary dump Jordan Clarkson. If that's the best you can do for a salary dump, you know what? Magic, you're, you're a great player, fun guy, but you may actually be worse as a GM than you were as a talk show host because... You know, you got no true value for uh, Larry Nance Jr. or Clarkson, who, while Clarkson isn't great by any stretch of the imagination, he's he's best used as a bench player, energy guy. He can score, doesn't really play defense, but compared to Isaiah Thomas, at least Clarkson has size. Uh, IT has no size and can't play defense. He's as much of a defensive liability as Steph Curry, but not nearly the shooter Steph is, so... You, you you have a whole lot of bad to take with the good. Now, I'm not trying to bag on IT, but there are certain limitations with IT that you have to go in accepting. So on a good team, you can mask those issues. On a bad team like the Lakers, you got problems. And so, A, you're not going to be playing any defense. B, what are you going to do with Lonzo? Because now you got a, a shared backcourt between Isaiah Thomas who's made no bones about it, he wants the ball in his hands because he's been complaining uh, behind closed doors and now publicly through his agent that he was unhappy in Cleveland because LeBron would not give him more share of the ball. I'm sorry, IT, you are uh, one of the Supremes, not Gladys Knight, so you got to know your role and accept it when you're in a situation like Cleveland. Most guys do. IT clearly couldn't. So uh, in terms of that... Now you got a situation where you got a young player in Lonzo, a loud mouth of a father. Honestly, it's only a matter of time. So it's not a matter of if, but when LeVar starts getting involved in the Lakers debacle because this team's going to be bad, and now LeVar's going to start piping up about how his boy isn't getting uh, playing time because a new guy arrived on the scene in Isaiah Thomas demanding everything, and Lonzo's getting shortchanged. It's only a matter of time before it happens. And honestly, it's going to be making for good television and uh, radio sound bites. But from a team chemistry standpoint, this is a bad development. I'm, I, like I said, I don't get it from what the Lakers are trying to do. Plus, you give up a nice role player in Larry Nance Jr. who brings you energy off the bench. 
uh, can do some things for you. Larry Nance Jr. is going to help this Cavs team, uh, mainly because Kevin Love's injured. Larry Nance Jr. can get rebounds. He can run the floor. He's a uh, he's a power forward, but he's more of, of that uh, stretch forward that teams have uh, been adopting in the NBA because he can shoot the outside shot and he can grab rebounds and run the floor, which is something that the Cavs weren't doing. The Cavs looked pretty old at times this season. Uh, this gives them some bounce intercept with, between both uh, uh, Clarkson and uh, Nance Jr. So, uh, also, Nance Jr. is a Cleveland kid. Uh, his dad played for the Cavaliers, Larry Nance. So, this is a homecoming for him. He's going to be pumped. So, he's going to bring it for the Cavs. I, I mean, this, like I said, this is a stroke of genius by Kobe Altman uh, to pull this one off because... Again, you only gave up a first-round pick, but that's on the back end of the draft. Uh, all things considered, if you're trying to reload and get this team ready for a playoff run, you know what? You cut your losses with IT, and you made the best of a bad situation. I, lo- I like the move here. The other move that was made uh, that the Cavs did that I think was a good move was the fact that uh, they made uh, the trade... Uh, for Rodney Hood. Uh, so they ship out Jay Crowder uh, to uh, Utah to bring in uh, Rodney Hood, who, again, gives them a shooter. But one of the things about this is the fact that Rodney Hood is going to fill in the role of J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver if they can't get it uh, get it together. I mean, Korver and Smith have been abysmal from outside range in the past month, uh, while the Cavs have been on this losing skid. So, something's got to give. Hood's on a hot streak. So, if uh, they can't get it uh, get it together, you're going to see uh, uh, a, a big, uh, a big uh, uh, change in terms of the starting minutes on the Cavs in short order. Because uh, they brought in guys who can actually uh, get some things done for them. Meanwhile, when you look at the other side of the spectrum of teams that didn't seem like they knew what they were doing, you've got the case of Memphis that is clearly trying to tank and were supposed to move Tyreek Evans, yet could not find a trade partner to deal with because they kept insisting on getting a first-round pick for Tyreek Evans, who, solid enough player, but, I mean, seriously, it's Tyreek Evans. I mean... It's a role player. You're not giving up a first-round pick for Tyreek Evans. I, I don't know how badly you can misjudge uh, of a player value, but, I, I mean, it's embarrassing. The uh, the Grizzlies just completely overplayed their hand, didn't move them. Uh, other guys who didn't move, DeAndre Jordan uh, didn't move, uh, you know. And, oh, actually, I did forget to mention that Dwayne Wade did move uh, from the Heat. Uh, I mean, he did move uh, to the Heat from the Cavs uh, in exchange for a second-round pick. I mean, it, it was just to accommodate uh, Wade. Uh, the Cavs could have done anything else uh, with moving Wade, uh, but this was a favor to LeBron for his boy, so they did him a solid. And uh, Wade gets to go on the retirement circuit tour down in South Beach uh, with uh, Riley. So... Uh, you know, that was the one other move the Cavs made. But, again, not that much of consequence. But in terms of teams who screwed up the uh, trading deadline, you got the Knicks. Because the Knicks did nothing in terms of moves other than trade Willie Hernan Gomez for two second-round picks. Even though Hernan Gomez 
was in line for more playing time with Porzingis injured. And you've got pending free agents uh, with uh, uh, O'Quinn uh, in the mix uh, there as well. It didn't make any sense uh, moving him, uh, but uh, that's what the Knicks did. And in, in addition to uh, the Hernan Gomez move, the Knicks traded Doug McDermott uh, and a second-round pick uh, from the Denver Nuggets uh I mean, uh, uh, tr- uh, the the Knicks traded Doug McDermott uh, to uh, the Nuggets, and uh, no, no, actually, sorry, geez, uh, it's a three-team t- trade. I got I got this all mixed up. So the Knicks traded uh, McDermott to the Mavericks. The Mavs traded uh, Devin uh, Harris to the Nuggets, and the best player in the deal is Emmanuel Mudiay, who goes to the Knicks. Now the problem with Moutier, and he was drafted uh, seventh in uh, 2015. He was a guy that the Knicks were looking at uh, in detail. But th- the truth of the matter is, is that Moutier is not an NBA point guard. He has shown uh, qu- quite often that uh, uh, he uh, did not, uh, did not, uh, was not going to adapt in terms of a starting role on a real playoff team. I mean, realistically, you know, in this uh, mood, uh, you know, people were saying that uh, Moutier should have been the Knicks pick at the four spot, which, again, shows you how clueless some people uh, can be at times because, obviously, we took uh, Porzingis with that pick. But, I mean, Moutier has just been a bust in his career. Uh, Outside of... uh, the other guys taken in that draft, you know what? It was a weak draft in terms of the uh, uh, towards the bottom of uh, 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 of the pile. I mean, the the amount of guys who passed on Devin Booker, uh, you know, you just scratch your head at some of these uh, draft picks. But I mean, uh, there were so many other guys in that first round that could have gone in different spots. Uh, compared to uh, some of the other players uh, who actually did get drafted. But Moutier, like I said, he can make flashy plays, but he's not a true point guard. So I look at this, and I'm I'm just kind of saying to myself, yeah, it's going to be a player. He's a body. Maybe he, yeah, he shows certain things. I mean, he's got some size to him, so, you know, he can play off guard, but... It's just a move where it's just like, why are we even bothering doing this? I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I know Ron Baker's hurt, but just play Nilakina the full minutes at the point, and I guess you're going to wave Jared Jack, uh, and uh, you, got, you're basically relying on uh, w- whatever you're going to get with uh, in terms of uh, playing time from the likes of Trey Burke, I mean, it's going to be a bunch of scrubs. Uh, let's just be honest with ourselves. I, I, I said it uh, before uh, in the last podcast, the Knicks are done until 2020. It's just shifting seats to figure out how they can clear cap space. And the Knicks didn't do it this uh, uh, this draft deadline. They needed to make some moves, and they didn't do it. And, you know, it just reeks of the fact that they weren't prepared for a scenario where they needed to move contracts. It seemed like the Knicks wanted to put this team in a position to make a run for the playoffs because that trade screams 
that they were trying to bring in some uh, uh, roster depth at the point guard spot to help this team make a playoff run, which, again, Porzingis is hurt. So why are we even doing this move? We should have been concentrating on getting rid of contracts. I, You know, once again, this just reeks of poor planning. So uh, not happy at all with the Knicks. But, again, they're... I can't be that upset with the Knicks because there's really not much there to begin with. So uh, without much further ado, I'm going to bring my buddy Jimmy on the line, who's a diehard Celtics fan. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more uh, NBA, just trade deadline items, and uh, uh, just uh, who were the winners and losers. And And, uh, we'll we'll take it from there. Uh, There was some more NFL stuff that I'll try to get into later. also, some NHL news that I'm probably not going to get to tonight, depending on how uh, long the uh, uh, our convo goes for. But uh, if not, I'll wrap it back around for the weekend. But uh, without much further ado, we're going to bring Jimmy on the line here. All right, joining me now, I've got my college buddy Jimmy on the line here, diehard Celtics fan above all else. Can't stand hearing the Patriots fall out because it's obscuring the Celtics' brilliant start to the season and the fact that they have a legitimate chance of making the NBA Finals. But no, no, the Patriots' fallout with Josh McDaniels, that needs to take precedent over the NBA trade deadline when Boston actually had chances to make moves, didn't make them. So, uh, and oh yeah, we got to talk about this. Like, how, how like sketchy is it? And it's such a Danny Ainge move where... They they agreed the terms with Greg Monroe, but they hold out for like three full days of him signing a contract just so Danny could try to find a way of making another Weasley trade <laughs> like before the deadline to, uh, to uh, manage the cap space. I mean, it's brilliant, but well, it, it's just like Danny Ainge just yeah, like know, playing the angles. I don't know about I don't know about Weasley. I think what he was trying to do. I think they were trying to unload Marcus Smart. Up yes. And, and Memphis screwed that up. Anywhere without a first round draft Yeah, Memphis screwed that one up because that that's exactly where he should have gone. Because Marcus Smart for Tyreek Evans made sense for both sides, and Memphis insisting on a first round draft pick is laughable. Because again, Tyreek Evans is not a young guy. He's been in the league five plus years. You're not getting a first round pick for Tyreek Evans. And not to mention, the Memphis like telegraphed that he was moving because they benched Tyreek Evans for over a week, saying that uh, yeah, don't worry about it, we're going to trade you. And now they look like even bigger chumps. So they so they just benched him. He didn't. Uh, he didn't play. Viciously punch punch a punch a picture frame and cut his wrist and then get to an online Instagram battle with a stripper. <laughs> Oh my god, that that was such a great story. I didn't even get into that one. But I was like, how much of a clown are you that you actually got into an online argument with yourself because you're like you're so angry at the exchanges you were having online that you decided to punch the wall and cut yourself in the process. I don't I don't know why any of these athletes have that type of a social media presence. I mean, everybody can learn from Pablo Sandoval. You don't need to be active on Instagram with the ladies. At least 
not what, what people can, you know, air out your dirty laundry. That's yep. a good idea. Oh yeah, pa- 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 Pablo. Even though he didn't do anything for the Red Sox at the plate, he definitely did things on around the Boston scene. He got around. <laughs> not, not, I mean, not that much action on the field, but off the field, he was a world beater, Jimmy. <laughs> well, listen, the uh, the clubhouse food bill has dropped significantly since we got rid of him. So more money for uh, Dave Dabrowski to flush down the toilet. But I know we're talking uh, supposed to be talking hoops here, but yeah. So <clears throat> I think that's why Monroe didn't shoot up until tonight, until the trade deadline yeah. was over. And I think now they uh, they're going to go after Joe Johnson. I think is what uh, yeah yeah what yeah do. Yeah, ISO Joe was definitely rumored to uh, be going through the buyout uh, after the, the the trade maneuvers uh, today uh, because. Uh, I mean, basically, the way the way the NBA operates at this point, and it's just like so, it's so like transparent. It's like, you know, I, I I honestly like look at some of these teams like Sacramento and Utah. It's just like you're, you're like just the trash dump. It's just the local dump. You just dump the trash there. You you, you get wait, you get like you you wait for it to get processed, and then you get chewed out, you spit out, and then like you go where you want. It's like and like you're it's like a, cl- a clean bill of health. You got recycled, and now you can be reused to, for another team uh, in the NBA. It's ridiculous, but like these teams just use themselves as salary cap holes uh, to fill themselves with. Now, a team that doesn't use uh, operate that way is the Knicks, which I, which I won't delve into. But needless to say, I was less than thrilled seeing Willie Hernan Gomez get traded when we have a bunch of free agents looming that we could have just offloaded and gotten second round picks. And instead we trade the young guy we have under control for another two plus years. We trade that guy for second round picks, not the guys that are going to be free agents. I, I I love it. I love the Knicks. It's just like so incompetent. Well, they're not that incompetent because on the, the NBA's uh, list of most valuable franchises you guys are number one. Oh yeah no it, so, well the, the, it, it's it's our own fault we keep going to these games like schmucks and no one doesn't care he just counts the money it's like well okay so Porzingis is hurt all right well I don't need to improve this team at all uh I mean they, they make a pointless trade for Emmanuel Moutier because they want to have some because uh, Moutier makes flashy plays in the backcourt so at least that gives something for Knicks fans to get excited about for like the two or three games he actually plays well. But it's like you've got Nilakina there who needs to develop as a point guard. You're going to play those two in a backcourt together? It's like it's not going to work. It's like they've tried playing him in the backcourt multiple times. He, he is a ball-hogging uh, point guard that cannot play off guard. It's, it's going to be such a waste. How's uh how's posterization doing after that posterization? Well, I'm, Jalen Brown uh, last. Well, I mean, with uh, I, I mean, after the posterize, I mean, the, the next night he tries to dunk on Giannis, and that's how he blows out his ACL. It's like I, I'm wondering. Actually, I should probably blame you guys because if he doesn't get posterized, he probably doesn't feel the need to throw a uh, throw a flush dunk down on Giannis and then blow out his knee in the process. So it's probably your fault. <laughs> Because he probably thought to himself, hey, it's like, hey, I could probably make a put Giannis on a poster, and that makes it makes it uh, better. And then, yeah, he, he blows his knee out on that play. I mean, literally. 
That type of stuff is going around. That's why uh, we don't have Gordon Hayward, because uh, Mr. Miserable Jay Crowder uh, did the old undercutting under the basket. And that, was the end of, that was the end of Gordon Hayward. Well, I, well, I actually think... And Jay Crowder said, you will not clap. For Gordon Hayward, Foster <laughs> fans, you will not clap for him. Well, well, we we got to talk about Mr. Crowder too, but um, you know Hayward actually looks like he's coming back. I mean, if you see like some of his uh, rehab videos, he's fast. He's on a faster on track schedule than anyone actually predicted. Like his recovery process has been a stunning. He it's like there's yeah. a remote chance he could actually play this year. It's remote, but it's it, it's like far better than anyone could have ever anticipated. Ainge, Ainge has been pretty good with uh, with shutting down any Gordon Hayward coming back um, talk, which I think is good and smart because I don't think we want the team believing that he's coming back and then if he doesn't come back, yeah, you know, no, 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 and, that, and that's so a smart Gordon, thing to do. <laughs> if he can come back and, and and help us off the bench, or I mean, it's only it's only a plus. It's only a plus, but. I don't think we should be in a position, I don't think we're not in a position right now to guarantee or count on him, you know, being ready for the end of the season. But, I mean, if he comes back, great. As long as it's not going to do any damage, you know, in the long term, because we certainly don't want yeah. that. We don't want to be mortgaging our future for a, for a run right now. Yeah. But uh, now comes the, the ongoing saga of Isaiah Thomas. And... You know, it's it, part of that saga has to do with Cleveland because the Cavs basically said, "Screw it!" You know, we're not gonna act. And and I give Kobe Altman credit, the Cavs GM, because I mean he actually played the adult in the room between LeBron being the pampered prima donna he is, and Dan Gilbert being the overgrown man child of a owner he is. It's like between the two of them, Kobe Altman actually got things done. Which is sh- shocking because, I mean, you've never seen Cleveland operate this efficiently as a franchise before. Because if you look at, like, that roster yesterday versus tonight, I mean, yeah, it's a whole bunch of guys. But technically, it's a good, like, collection of role players. Because, I mean, basically, they managed to flip uh, Isaiah uh, uh, and, and turn it into uh, Jordan Clarkson uh, and uh, Larry Nance Jr., and only gave up their own first-round pick, which wasn't going to be worth much. I mean, the truth of the matter is is that uh, IT was not going to be healthy enough in time for a stretch run. And, you know, for uh, from all accounts, like, even though Clarkson isn't a great defender by any means, he's competent with the ball. He can uh, he can shoot the three. He can He can create things on offense. So even though it's kind of like a poor man's version of what you would have gotten out of IT, it's still better than what you uh, are getting out of IT. And then Larry Nance Jr. actually puts in uh, effort and can rebound, which is something that you weren't getting out of uh, Tristan Thompson, who's, you know, and and I say this with every basketball player. Being with the Kardashians is basically the beginning of the end of your career. Because Tristan Thompson has turned into hot garbage. Not that he was really good to begin with, but at least he put in effort and could box out guys. Like, now he doesn't even do that. It's like, honestly, I think Larry Nance is uh, is going to take his job from him because, you know, uh, by all uh, stretch of imagination, like, uh, 
you've you've got a, a case where you've got a young forward eager to prove he's from the Cleveland area, uh, not to mention. So it's like he's got an incentive. Say what you want about everybody throwing Kevin Love under the bus all the time. Device is ready but for Cleveland, connecting. Cleveland can win with, with Kevin Love. Cleveland has won with Kevin Love. Yeah. And Cleveland hasn't won with Derek Rose or any of these other losers that they brought in. Yeah, no. It, it, so I think the, the, the core group of guys that LeBron is comfortable with is still there, and it's kind of like 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers 2.0. Yeah, no, the, the comical part about this was uh, Derrick Rose never made any sense. I don't know whose idea it was to bring in Derrick Rose, but I could have told him from the outset, Derrick Rose on the Knicks was an unmitigated disaster, which I thought had a chance of at least being okay, but he was so abjectly awful and had no interest in being a basketball player anymore. That's the thing about uh, Derrick Rose that I don't think people understand. It's the fact that he is basically done. He doesn't. He cares more about his personal health, which is perfectly fine. You can care about your personal health and well-being over putting in the work to be an NBA basketball player. The problem is, is you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't just keep collecting NBA game checks and not putting in any work whatsoever. That's a problem. And I think the difference between Cleveland and, and Golden State, right, when we're talking about uh, these quote-unquote super teams, right, everybody on Golden State plays hard. And I think when you start talking about Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade and those types of guys, you know, they're just hitching their wagon to LeBron. They're not there to work hard yeah, it, necessarily or, or – or, you know, or work on parts of their game that maybe they, you know, haven't worked on in, in prior years but would be better served, you know, to work on now because their role is a little different. They're not – they don't want to do that now, yeah. right? They just want to hitch the wagon and, and get a ring. Yeah, no. Uh, the team just isn't good enough for that or wasn't good enough for that. Yeah. I mean, it, you still need guys to play. Exactly. Play yeah, exactly. Wade was done. Uh, I mean – he gets, to be honest, Cleveland did him so many favors. <laughs> like, uh, like yeah, they, they made the trade for him, they, and they shipped him back to Miami. You know, they could they could have shipped him out other places and got more value out of it, but it's like, you know, ship him back to a place where they actually view him more than anywhere else. Like, uh, he'll be welcomed back with open arms in Miami and sell tickets there. That's where he belongs. He won't have to work. And he, he just shows up and, you know, puts in his... 10, 15 minutes uh, of BS, and, you know, th- it is what it is. That That's that's what Wade is at this point. He d- His knees are shot. He can't explode. He can't, he can't make any uh, dramatic moves to the basket. So you bring in a guy like George Hill who can actually man the point, shoot the three. It, it's a win-win situation for Cleveland. And the fact that they were also able to get Rodney Hood out of it, that's the guy that is going to be a difference maker, in my opinion, because – it actually forces J.R. Smith to get his head out of his ass and Corver to find <laughs> to find his to find some some measure of confidence because uh, Rodney Hood is a younger version of J.R. Smith. He he'll just like he'll grab it and, and just take a uh, uh, take a shot. 
He won't care if it's a bad look at John. He'll he'll just shoot it. It's like Cleveland needs a shooter to shoot, and Corver is afraid to pull the trigger. And J.R. Smith is just like, for whatever reason, he's been checked out of it this season. So either he uh, he actually shows up before the uh, postseason starts, or he's going to lose his uh, 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 playoff spot to Hood. Hood's hungry, uh, so he's he's going to be looking at this as an opportunity of I wasn't going to get my money in Utah. If I have a good run here with the Cavs, I'm going to make myself a nice uh, contract with some team. It, it probably won't be the Cavs, but I can make myself some money, and that's a very dangerous kind of player to be going up against. Well, all I have to say is anybody that can convince J.R. Smith to get his head out of his ass is worth the weight to hold. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, uh, to uh, uh, run the floor. I mean, J.R. Smith wasn't even doing that. I mean, for all the talk that uh, people were saying IT had issues with Kevin Love, I think it was J.R. Smith he was really referring to because J.R. was, like, just, like, chilling. It's like, like outside of, like, the guys who got dealt, the only guy who got a slightly bad rep was uh, probably Jay Crowder because Jay Crowder actually... Uh, played with some effort uh, in Cleveland. The fact, the problem was, is that Jay Crowder plays in LeBron's spot. He can't shoot, but he also plays in LeBron's position. And when you're on a LeBron team, LeBron's going to play all the minutes, so you have no role on the yeah. team. But the ironic part is, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is, like the ironic part is, like uh, Crowder ends up going to Utah, which, as you remember. When the Gordon Hayward talk was going in full swing, Jay Crowder was the one like downplaying and saying, "You know, it's BS. I'm getting gonna uh, people talk about me getting traded for Hayward. I'm better than this guy." And it's so laughable in retrospect now because he's stuck in a spot where he has, he's going to get constantly compared to Hayward because you know when you look at it, uh, the Jazz re- realistically have. Uh, Donovan Mitchell fell into their lap. All they really need from Crowder is to be a good role player, play some defense. He doesn't have to score. He just has to distribute the ball and knock down a, an open jumper every now and then. Doesn't even have to shoot the three. Just play a mid-range game. Well, Crowder's one of these thin-skinned guys who's a legend in their own mind. And him thinking he's better than Gordon Hayward is kind of like that kid at Boston College who was trying to convince me at a party that you and I both attended <laughs> two years back, who was trying to convince me that Tayshawn Prince was better than Paul Pierce. It's still, a gr- it's still one of the greatest drunk conversations that I can recall from college days that that was at Mr. New York. <laughs> Uh, oh so, god, you know, that, that that was I'm a great conversation. What you and I were doing that night, or where we were, or uh, how much we were advising, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We not, we you're not Gordon Hayward, and and so, look, if if the fans in Boston want to cheer for the guy, I mean, and you're going to take offense to that to the point where you're posting on social media about it that your feelings were hurt. Come on, man, get a life. Yeah, no, it, it was. It's absolutely ridiculous, but you know, Crowder is probably going to sulk in Utah, most likely. But you know, if he actually looks at it, he's actually in a decent spot because he can carve himself out a nice uh, 
uh, return it as a free agent because he can get all those little garbage rebound points uh, from Mitchell. Like Mitchell can create offense for Crowder uh, because Crowder can't really do much on his own in terms of offense. He can play defense, but it's like uh, Mitchell can make him a ton of money in next uh, year or so because uh, Crowder's got two years left on his deal. Mitchell can make him some money if he he comes in with the right attitude. So even though he looks like he's the guy who got cast off into a dump, Crowder can actually make some money uh, if he plays his cards right. I'm I, I'm not yeah, sure if he will, that. but he could. If, if that doesn't work out, he always get a second job scaring the Mormons. <laughs> uh, and of course, we wouldn't be uh, remiss without talking about the guy who was at the center of. NBA trade deadline in Isaiah Thomas, who has gone from beloved darling in the eyes of the Boston media to what can only be described as a case of just too much too soon, because I can't think of a guy who's on the precipice of being one of the elite players in the NBA in terms of name recognition and just uh, MVP appeal to being a guy who now you're not even sure if he's going to get a max contract offer uh, from anywhere, e- even like a crappy team. You're not even sure if he can get a, a, a max deal from a crappy team because of how far he's fallen off. Now, yes, the hip injury played a role, but now it, it's coming to – it's at least uh, from my perspective, Isaiah Thomas, just because of how he – dealt with the media in Cleveland, came across as more of a complainer than anything else when you're playing with LeBron. And because everyone knows that LeBron usually has the effect of making you look like a million bucks, you know, now the question becomes, okay, where can IT play? Because, you know, he's, I mean, he had other stops before Boston and they didn't work out so well. So where can he actually play where he's going to be happy and you can get productive value out of him because, again, he wants to have the ball, but you also want to be able to win with him too. <laughs> well, that's right. That's the rub. Because he obviously, we all know he thinks he's the man, um, but he's, in order for him to, to, look, if we're just talking about being on a winning team and winning, okay, then he can't be the guy. So for him to, to be the guy and to get the money, he's got to find a team that's cool with not winning, or at least not winning the whole thing. Because we, we made it to the, to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, but anybody who's objective about basketball would tell you that the Celtics didn't even have a puncher's chance of winning that series. And... You know, obviously, Isaiah Thomas, at least last year and the year before that, was a better player than Al Jefferson was. But it was almost like the Al Jefferson years where, look, the whole team, you know, is a bunch of role players. And you have one guy who's just better than the rest of the guys, and he becomes the man. Oh, you know what? Maybe a better analogy was the year that Paul Pierce went out and Tony Allen became the man. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, yeah. that's the guy you're relying on to the point 
That's the guy who you're giving the ball to at the end of the game. And let's face it, basketball is a game of confidence, right? Yep. So you get a couple games going under your belt, your shots dropping, you're getting the calls, and then all of a sudden you're just riding that wave, and, you know, you become the guy. But it's one thing for, you know, the dumb fans and the local media to buy into it. It's a whole other thing when you buy into it as a person. Yep. And I know all these guys are trying to get paid. I understand that, right? So, you know, he wants to make as much money as he can, you know, for himself and his family and everything. And I, I totally get that. But he's never going to be a LeBron James. He's never going to be a Michael Jordan. He's never going to be a Larry Bird. He's never going to be a Paul Pierce with this whole battle over the video tributes. He's just <laughs> not big enough. He doesn't have the defensive skills. He doesn't have the height, the genetic height that he needs to be as, you know, an above-average defender where you want him on, on the court. And, you know, you're not afraid you're going to give up, um, you know, something on the defensive end with him in there. It's just he needs to be a piece of the puzzle. He can't be the puzzle. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing of it was is that it, part of it, it seemed to be as, as though, and you talked about it uh, before when uh, he was on his run in Boston and they were coming up with the King of the Fourth moniker nickname and he's pointing to the watch. You know, at a certain point, oh, yeah. you start believing the hype yourself. Because in reality, he's closer to being a Monte Ellis than he is being a true transcendent NBA star. And like Monte Ellis had a had a really good NBA career for his size and talents. I mean, he had a very productive career. But you know, are you saying that you're an upper echelon NBA All Pro, uh, perennial All Star? I, I didn't see it, but you know, there even. Even like this season, coming into this season, uh, coming off the hip injury, people were still trying to say like, "Oh well, once he gets back fully healthy, you know, it's comparable to uh, what you're getting with Kyrie Irving." And I'm like, "Really?" It's like Ky Kyrie doesn't play defense, but like, ha have you watched like how Kyrie can create offense versus how uh, it creates offense? Because it creates offense off of ball screens and using his teammates to get him kind of get him open, and he uses his speed to get around people. But Kyrie could just create on his own. He doesn't need a screen. It's like he could just do it on his own. Yeah, and I think, you know, what makes – it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? And I, I kind of feel for the guy, to be honest. You know, because he's got that chip on his shoulder, and he's probably not as effective as a basketball player without the chip on the shoulder. But – where you get into where you get into into problems is you know take the chip on the shoulder and, and use that when you're on the court, man. You know use that use that in the game, use yep. that in practice, use that in the off season when you're trying to you know learn a new move or something. But you know you don't have to constantly run your mouth about how great you are to reporters and you know talk about you know getting upset at, co at coaches for not utilizing you the appropriate way. Like, that kind of stuff, that's where you lose me. I mean, you can have the attitude, but keep it on the court. Yeah, no, they, 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 and that's where it got a little bit tiresome because you brought up uh, the uh, perfect example was the video tribute debacle where I, I thought he was completely in the wrong there. And it's like people were saying Paul was being petty, but the way I looked at it was uh, he was given an opportunity to have a video tribute, he was still hurt, and he wanted his family there. Okay, that's your choice, but... It doesn't mean that the Celtics have to acquiesce and wait for 
you to come back healthy to do the video tribute. It's like they were, uh, Ainge screwed it up by forgetting that it was the Paul Pierce day. But at the end of the day, it's still Paul Pierce day. They already picked out the date. Now you're asking Paul Pierce to accommodate you being in there when you had a two-year run. It's like, really? You're going to use a two-year run to wedge your way into a video tribute? It's like, it, it just felt came across as so hollow. And I think it came out even prior to the trade that they, they weren't going to do any Isaiah Thomas trip. They, they nixed that. So it was all going to work out, but to me, that's on the Celtics, right? I mean, first of all, why are we taking, you know, video tribute requests from opposing players? <laughs> I mean, what's next? Kelly Olynyk is going to be asking for a particular day for his video tribute? I mean, give me a break. Hey, 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 he, hey, he pulled, he, on the team for two years. he pulled, he pulled Kevin Love's shoulder out of its socket, Jimmy. So we'll give you a tribute if we want to. And when we do, it's going to, it's going to be on the time and the day that we dictate, not you. Yeah, no, it, it just came across so ridiculously petty. Uh, but you know, it, but that's where I kind of felt, uh, that the tide was turning against, uh, Isaiah Thomas and, and you even brought up another example. I I, I actually forgot about uh, uh, I forgot like when that comment came up, but uh, when he was talking about his contract extension, uh, where he he brought up the the quote of uh, uh, it was like back up the Brinks truck because I'm expecting a big deal to be coming in. And I, and I was like, when I when I initially heard it, I was like, whoa, that's it's a bit presumptuous just to say that you're going to get a max deal. <laughs> Yeah, like but like I said, right? That's the that's the chip on the sh- that's the chip on the shoulder. And, you know, a lot of guys need that to, uh, you know, to, to to be at that elite level, to perform at that elite level. But once you start, once you start, you know, making comments like that, and things don't go your way, it's it's very easy now for people to just you know lose any respect for you that they that they had, because now you make those comments. Okay, you get traded from Boston, you go to Cleveland. You know, it hasn't worked out, but, I mean, he's not leaving Cleveland on a, on, a, on a good note. I mean, the guy's battling back and forth with LeBron. I mean, who thinks they're going to who, – who, who could actually believe that they're going to go to Cleveland and they're going to be their peers with LeBron? Well, you know – you know, I mean, got to have a screw loose to think you're a peer with that guy. Well, it, what was particularly just, uh, like, just head-scratching was the fact that after the trade – uh, Thomas's agent goes out and basically throws shots at LeBron, saying that well, it wasn't able to fully enhance his uh, capabilities with the Cavs because you know everyone knows it's LeBron's team and LeBron uh, is holding the ball all the time, so uh, I- it could not uh, fully uh, bring to the table everything that he could for the Cavs. And I, and I heard that quote, and I'm like. Wait a second! You literally just got traded, and you're gonna take shots on the team that you were barely on for a month when uh, you were actually cleared to play. You're you're gonna take shots at the team. You, your team was on an extended losing streak uh, uh, until LeBron hits a big shot last night, and you still didn't have a good game. And you're gonna take shots at LeBron on the way out? It's like, come on, man. So I was temporarily. Uh distracted because our girl Roz was interviewing Scotty Brooks. Oh, uh, you see, but, uh, see, I had my head, I had my know, head turned. I, I did not see that. How is that? Because 
you're talking about a player in Isaiah who absolutely cannot play without the ball in his hands, and you're criticizing LeBron James for that for that very thing. It makes no sense. Yeah, no, it's. It, but that's that's what it just made it so. Yep, I, I yeah, it's Roz. See, I got thrown off there because I was looking at Roz on the replay. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, in terms of like it, I'm looking at this. I'm saying because the, now I am really, really intrigued. And, I'm, and I want uh, before we go, I want to get you like a, for an over under estimate here. Over under number of games uh, that. Uh, it plays with Lonzo before Lavar stops uh, starts ripping on it for hogging the ball too much. I, I I've got I've got it set at seven and a half games, so it's gonna take a little bit more than a week. But I I think seven and a half is a good solid number. Where at at a at a certain point, Lavar is just gonna start chirping on either Luke Walton or just chirping to the media directly about Isaiah Thomas hogging the ball. From Lonzo, and that's why the team isn't able to move efficiently on offense. Isn't isn't he still in Lithuania? Well, well, technically he's he's in Lithuania with Lamelo and Leangelo, but I, yeah, I, I, I thought he's they, they, I thought he's running the uh, the the. The ball homeschool clinic. Over there <laughs> in, uh, he, he 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 is, but you know he's never too far away from a television set or a microphone. So I still think, even from afar, he's got to get a hold of someone and start making some comments because you know the way it's been chirping lately, he's gonna get on Lavar's radar because as far as Lavar is concerned, Lonzo is the entire world. So anything that comes into direct uh, competition with Lonzo must be eviscerated with unmitigated force. So I, I honestly think that this is going to be the most entertaining uh, second half of the season uh, for all the wrong reasons for the Lakers. Because, uh, because yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, um, you know, I don't know how they're going to how they're going to function over there because IT's already made it clear. I think through the agent that he he says he's not coming off the bench. So I don't know how him and Ball are going to both be on the court at the same time playing the exact same position. Yeah, I know. That, that's that's why it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and, and you know, I was I was reading something about how the, the Celtics were losers at the trade deadline, and you know, I don't I don't I don't agree with that just because I think. You know, why are you tweaking before. the roster? There's you know, the, they had a target and they weren't, you know, they had a price and they weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to move the line and they're, you know, content to, you know, to pick somebody up in the in the buyout stage. But the, the worse the Lakers are, the worse off the Lakers are, the better it is for Boston because we got the Lakers back. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's, you know, everybody, everybody out there that, uh, you know, critiques, you know, Danny for uh, you know Trader Danny and all the all the trades that he makes. He's looking pretty smart now for offloading the Brooklyn pick, who are actually decent, and keeping the Lakers pick. Yes, who looks like they're going to be in a tailspin here in the second half of the season. Yeah, no, it it, it, it I don't know how because uh, I saw that on ESPN, and this is part of the reason why I've like started tuning out of reading ESPN because I feel like I I get dumber. From time to time, other than reading other uh, sports <laughs> websites, but literally, like Fox <laughs> but it's like literally, you know, the Celtics are in a great spot from this trade deadline because the Cavs like brought in a bunch of random guys 
So, okay, yeah, the the Cavs looked like they were, like, on uh, death's door. Yes, they, they brought in some young guys, but it's still going to take time to acclimate. So, again, why would you disrupt your own chemistry because you see the Cavs doing a bunch of shit? I mean, it, it, you know, you have things that are working right now. You don't want to, like, you've got Jalen Brown, you got Jason Tatum. They're playing well. Why would you disrupt their chemistry and their minutes by trying to bring in another forward? It's like... You, you've, you're bringing in Monroe, who's going to uh, rebound and and uh, maybe uh, block some shots and uh, actually be the presence in the middle uh, and chew up 15 minutes a game. That's it. He's not going to be that much of a uh, disruption for you guys. Uh, and it makes sense. I mean, the only move that, uh, like, like we talked about, was uh, bringing in Tyreek Evans. But if Memphis is going to be stubborn and not uh, relent on getting a first-round pick, then why move smart? It's like it's it doesn't make any sense trading smart to uh, to bring in Tyreek Evans and give up a first round. It, no, why? It's like you're vastly overpaying for Tyreek Evans. It's like it's a marginal upgrade at best. So, like I said, it, like like you said, it's just you know do what makes sense and then uh, you know we'll see see what else you can get in from the buyout stage because. Their guy's going to get bought out, so there there are going to be opportunities uh, here. It's just, and I look, I look at it, I was like, you know, sometimes you're better off not making moves and forcing the issue. Yeah, it looks, you know, Smart obviously has uh, his offensive woes. I mean, he can be absolutely dreadful and um, not the best, you know, decision maker at times. But, you know, if we're talking – you know, about the playoffs and, and, and who are the five guys that are going to be on the court, you know, at the end of the game. I mean, Marcus Smart is one of those guys because, you know, he hustles, he's an instigator, he gets in people's faces, he's diving to lose balls. He's, he's, like, he's an instigator. And, you know, he, he, he makes people do, you know, he makes opposing players do things that they wouldn't normally do, you know, under other circumstances. And, look, the guy is, he's a freaking flop factory. I get it, right? And it's, yeah. and it's annoying. But, um, but he, you know, he does hustle, and he's active on the defensive end. And I think, you know, Brad feels comfortable with him being on the, being on the court at the end of the game for those reasons. So we can, find, we can find offense elsewhere. But I don't know if we're going to find, you know, the defensive intensity elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, but before I let you go, uh, uh, just in terms of your second half projections for uh, Celtics, uh, where do you think they actually end up in the East? So they got a game on. Uh, they got a game on Toronto. Um, I gotta tell you, man, that that spanking that Toronto gave us uh, two nights ago was pretty intimidating. Um. So I, I I don't know. I mean, what, you want my prediction for where they're going to end up at the end of the regular season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular season because uh, postseason it, it, it's still going to be uh, a crapshoot depending on how the the seedings eventually work out. I I think you guys are uh, probably going to end up as the two seed, and Toronto's going to take over that one spot. Uh, just because I'm looking at the Raptors. They they seem to be having that chip on the shoulder that they want that number one seed, so and they're going after it hard. So I I just think Toronto's going to end up as the one seed, and uh, you know you guys should comfortably finish in second. Uh, Cleveland, you know, 
based off of the moves that they made, they're going to uh, stave off uh, Washington uh, because of Wall being out. Uh, oh, which is another dumb story that came out. It's All like right. the Washington media actually uh, mentioning, even suggesting that they're better off with John Wall. Uh, I, I love Washington media just because they're so incompetent. <laughs> so incompetent. It's like you piss off your star player and you're completely wrong. No, you're not better off with John Wall. Uh, Better off without John Wall. That's the dumbest comment. It's like Brad B- Bradley Beal actually earned, started earning his paycheck. Is what happened. But uh, anyway, Listen, now, now that Marcin Gortat's rocking the Mad Max mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the, 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 that that mohawk is fierce though. He's got a fierce action go. But yeah, I, I just think uh, the Cavs uh, because they made the moves that they made. They they got they're going to have a little bounce in their step. So they're they're going to be fine. They're going to finish uh, comfortably in third. Uh, so it, it's just going to be a matter of how how you guys match up with uh, Cleveland as long as you avoid, uh, and I don't see them slipping down to seven, but uh, I, I just think that uh, the Pacers would be an awkward matchup for you guys based off of what the Pacers uh, kind of do uh, in the backcourt. So uh, that that's the only team that might give you some trouble in the first round because uh, Milwaukee, I think, is going to be uh, locked into the five seed. That's a tough out, and uh, to me, the 76ers are one of the easier outs, and despite all the hype about them, because A, and B does not play a full 48. You can wear him out, and Ben Simmons is a turnover machine. So, uh, to me, the, the 76ers, while exciting to watch in spurts, they're the easiest out in the playoffs That uh, out of the teams that are probably going to make the playoffs. I, I'd be surprised if the 76ers didn't make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the only competition they have are the Pistons, but, uh, you know, they, I, I just see that as uh, uh, they're the easiest out, and it's just going to come down to whether it's Miami or uh, Detroit for that final playoff spot. Yeah, whatever. I mean, look, the Celtics are, better, are, are a better team than they were last year. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. Sorry, Isaiah. And sorry, green teamers. They're a better <laughs> team than they were last year. So, uh, you know, they, they're, they're in the finals. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then I think it becomes a matchup issue because as much as I hate to agree with B. Scals, <laughs> he was talking about, at least after last uh, last game against Toronto, that in a seven-game series, Boston-Toronto, whoever has the home court has the advantage in that series. And I don't disagree with that statement because that's a loud arena. Those guys play hard and they play fast and yeah. athletic. And that they that looks like a tough matchup. Yeah, no, it, that that is a, that is a that to me is still the team to beat in the East. Sorry, but I, I look at Toronto; they're the most dangerous team. I know everyone's going to be all up on the Cavs now because they've got the energy players. To me, the Cavs did what they absolutely needed to do. It's just to give LeBron a reason to give a damn. Because LeBron was like on the precipice of just checking out of the rest of the season. Uh, and just uh, coasting into free agency. That's what LeBron was going to do. He was going to win the first round and then coast out in the second round. Which is what happens when LeBron is completely disengaged from his team. At least with the moves yeah. the Cavs made... They uh, they sh- uh, they should be able to right the ship somewhat and play even a, a smidge of defense because the Cavs are 
one of the worst teams defensively in the league by all defensive metrics. They were like 28th in the league. Somehow they were worse than the Knicks in terms of playing defense, which is almost impossible because the Knicks play zero defense. So you actually have to play negative defense. Like you have to like jump out of the way of your opponent to play worse defense than the Knicks, which the Cavs were somehow doing. So it's like, you know, I look at the Cavs and say the Cavs should be dangerous now as long as, you know, because again, I, I think a lot of the issues on the Cavs just happened to be that IT was cranky. Lots of guys were cranky about their minutes and they were just all sniping at each other behind closed doors. And Tyron Lue was just throwing his hands up in the air, looking at LeBron saying, can you help fix this situation, LeBron? Because I don't know what to do. Wait, what was that? Next, I said, I'm just... When LeBron goes to the Lakers in free agency, and then they'll have to get rid of Isaiah all over again. Oh, it's just it's just going to be comical. Because, again, it's like... Isaiah is just so cranky, uh, but he's got he's got no one to blame but himself because he handled the PR so poorly this season that uh, he he's just like gonna be in in a rut and you know that's all there is to it. He has to just suck it up and get through the rest of the season. But I'm telling you, Levar Ball is going to challenge it at some point, and if he takes the bait, it's gonna be like weeks worth of banter between the two of them. It's gonna. I'm telling you, I, I have it pegged at seven and a half games. I think it's 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 gonna be right around there. So either the seventh game or the eighth game. But like at some point, Lavar's gonna go after it, and it has to be the bigger person. Otherwise, he's just gonna completely tank uh, his uh, his value in the offseason by just getting into a uh, war of words with Lavar and just like uh, you know, Juan's just gonna be stuck in the middle of it, and it's just gonna be like, I don't know what to do, man. <laughs> So I'll take the under on the seven games, and you know if IT becomes a problem, maybe uh, Lavar will just offer him a steak and baller brand. <laughs> off the bench. Oh man! Uh, oh, or or just give him his own shoe line with big baller brand. No, it's like that small. Oh, see, see, see. Now, you, see, you just, you just made a short joke. See, I was gonna go with like. Uh, he was gonna give him his own shoe brand called the King of the Fourth, and it's, it's just like it, it just it just shows the four upside down. So it's just like yeah, yeah. You just point to your watch, and it's just upside down. So it's like every 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 number on the watch itself, it just says four. So you're the King of the Fourth. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hate on Isaiah, you know, too badly because look, he played through some stuff last year, and. You would take a lot of, you know, some guys would, you know, take some time off after that, you know. But that's, but that's why it's with his sister and everything like that. And he showed up, you know, he showed up to play every night and he played hard. Yeah, but that's um, that's the shocking but, part. It's like know, he he handled it so well last hard, year. Play hard and keep your mouth shut. Yeah, no, he handled it so well last year. That's why it's so shocking that he seems to be so inept at handling his own PR this year because it seems as though. Like uh, last year, may- maybe it-, it just was like he was riding the wave of emotion throughout, so it didn't sink in. And then now this year, it's just like, hey, I'm the man now. I don't have to. It's like I can dictate what happens to me. And it's like not quite. Anyway, yeah, man. We'll see what happens. Should be an interesting second half. Yep. All right, man. Thanks for joining, and uh, we'll-, we'll catch up another time. All right. All right, Dwayne. All right, Later, buddy. Later.
Yeah, so that was Jimmy. Uh, we're going to get into some NFL talk now. Uh, and we got to talk about one Jimmy G who has cashed in big time on the current state of NFL quarterback pay because, you know, right on the heels of uh, just everything that was going on with Matthew Stafford's contract, the talk about uh, Alex Smith getting paid $23.5 million. It's insane of what's happening now in the NFL because Jimmy Garoppolo, he of no full NFL seasons ever played, is now the highest paid quarterback in the league with $74 million guaranteed and uh, getting a record contract five-year, $137.5 million. So he's going to average $27.5 million over that five-year period. Think about that. The, a guy who has never played a full NFL season is now going to be making... $27.5 million. To put that into context, uh, someone uh, actually did uh, an analysis breakdown of how much he's going to get paid in different metrics. In terms of how much he's getting paid in a week, that is $528,846. A day, he's getting paid $75,342. $3,139 an hour, $52.32 a minute, and $0.84 cents a second. Life is good for Jimmy Garoppolo right now, and that doesn't even count uh, the uh, endorsement deal he's going to get. He's a good-looking guy. Uh, I mean, the girls in New England loved him. They were very upset when he got traded because they liked him even more than Brady. This is These are the girls, not the guys. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he's going to get those different, uh, advertising opportunities, whether it's Cologne, like, uh, Cal- uh like, uh, I'm not sure if Calvin Klein's even, uh, doing the underwear ads anymore for the male models, but I mean, he's going to get those advertising opportunities. So he's going to be making bank, uh, with the NFL contract and he's going to be making bank off the field. So again, this just sets the bar, uh, in terms of what uh, quarterbacks are going to be making. Because he is not just set the bar, he's broken the bar. Because with this, he's he made <laughs> he made uh, $74 million guaranteed on 272 uh, pass attempts in his career. Uh, for comparison, another uh, character who made a ton of money uh, with ridiculously low uh, pass attempts was uh, Brock Osweiler who made uh, $72 million with his uh, contract signing with the Texans uh, while only throwing 275 career attempts. I mean, the one guy, again, we talked about the. I talked about this uh, a little while ago with Cam uh, a little over a week ago, uh, was Kirk Cousins. Because Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, Looking for a new deal is seeing the marketplace for quarterbacks at an absurd level. Alex Smith making $23.5 million a year. Jimmy Garoppolo, $27.5 million a year. Matt Stafford, $50 million guaranteed. I'm making over 20, uh, 
uh, I believe he was around $27 million a year. You're looking at these deals, and if I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm saying I should be getting at least $27 million a year. And, you know, by all accounts, given the marketplace of NFL money and teams overpaying for quarterbacks, Nick Foles just won the Super Bowl, folks, which is shocking in of itself. It's just showing how poor NFL defense are looking with the uh, relaxed rules and the fact that guys are not prepared to play football games anymore to tackle. But, you know, the NFL money being thrown at quarterbacks is at an all-time high, and Kirk Cousins should be in line to make a ton of money. It's just a matter of figuring out who's going to pony up that amount of cash. Uh, so uh, that's all there is to it. But uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, as much of a blow he was dealt by uh, the Washington trading for Alex Smith and then overpaying him, the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has broken the bar of quarterback pay in the league by such a uh, ridiculous amount uh, for a guy, again, who is barely uh, through uh, a f- half of an NFL season, let alone a full NFL season, half of an NFL season for his career, you know, it's going to be bananas how the free agency uh, shakes out uh, between these quarterbacks because they're going to be guys who legitimately are going to set records in terms of free agency money spent uh, just because of uh, how much the quarterbacks are being paid. So that does it for the show tonight. Uh, We're going to uh, get back after it uh, at some point this weekend, but I uh, wanted to at least uh, go through uh, the NBA uh, trade deadline stories today and uh, uh, take it from there. So uh, we'll uh, catch up uh, at a later date, and that's all for now. Enjoy, folks. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll I'll take giselle okay (laughs) is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.